The start of college football season is only weeks away. Highly hyped, high-stakes games are on the schedule, complete with corporate sponsors, television rights, and local as well as national media coverage. Such games should feature young men committed to their teammates and schools, with wise coaches who are equally committed to building character in their players and serving in their communities. Instead, we are force-fed the unsettling onslaught of stories about barroom brawls, boosters bankrolling big money, Police reports instead of history reports, DUI scores instead of ACT scores, professors ignoring academic fraud, administrators turning a blind eye to assaults and abuse, and far too many thugs who get a free pass because they are talented enough to either throw or catch one. The state of college athletics and what to do about it on this edition of Therefore What. Therefore What is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you in the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News, and this is Therefore What. It is great as we approach college football season to be joined today by Dick Harmon. Uh, Dick is a columnist for the Deseret News with a focus on college athletics. Uh, he's really one of the national treasures when it comes to particularly college sports. Previously worked as executive sports editor, sports columnist, city editor, and a reporter at the Provo Daily Herald. He's often appeared on ESPN and other broadcasting programs and has written three books and co-authored a fourth uh, Dick, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. So as, as we look at what's going on, we it seems like all the stories of of what college football is supposed to be about, hard work, you know, goals, overcoming adversity, pride, character, teamwork, all of those things, uh, they seem to be becoming fewer and farther between. Uh, from your perspective and what you've seen over the last three decades, uh, how do you see that playing out? Well, I think a lot of the hard work and dedication and all the, the great coaching and playing is still going on. It's getting overshadowed somewhat, I think, because the uh, access we have to so much information. A lot of these people used to operate, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes and make mistakes, um, and people wouldn't know anything about it. But now a life could be fully exposed. Mistakes could be really highlighted in a matter of seconds with Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Um, we live in a different age where information is almost almost right now. I mean, you do something, you hear something. And the other thing is a lot of people that cover teams and follow teams as fans or members of message boards. And what that does is you, that means you've got three or four or 5,000 reporters or self-appointed reporters that are looking at information, looking to disseminate it, get it out as quick as it can. So, so those things are overshadowing a lot of the other aspects. Lavelle Edwards once said, um, the legendary coach at BYU, that his athletes and other athletes at other schools um, get in trouble and have problems just about the same rate as other people in society. The difference is, is when they do make that mistake and it becomes known, it becomes far more newsworthy for people to digest. Yeah, that, that's so true, and especially in today's world, as you said, it's it's instant access to that information. And uh, and while many people that would just be kind of a, a slap on the wrist moment, there there is that exposure. Plus, you also have fans from opposing team who would love to embarrass their uh, you know their arch rival uh, in some way, and that definitely has to be playing into it as well. Oh, absolutely. And you know the other thing that you didn't have uh, even five or six, seven years ago is the uh, the ability to have smartphones with uh, video capabilities. So what you have is actually uh, thousands and tens of thousands of news or newscasters out there with, with equipment that can take video and put it on YouTube, a platform that could then be seen in, in you know, 
happened in real time. And, you know, that, that didn't exactly, I mean, you could take a, a video of somebody doing something wrong in a, say, a bar or a restaurant or getting in a fight in a parking lot. And if they happen to be an athlete, that could be one of the biggest things that gets, uh, gets viewed on YouTube. And, and that never existed 10 years ago. That's right. It, it really is. I used to always tell uh, the politicians, you just have to remember that in today's world, every mic is an open mic and every device is a recording device. And so there, there is that big exposure for these athletes. And it really is high stakes stuff. I mean, if they have this kind of error or this kind of exposure to something, it, it can cost them millions and millions of dollars. And so you have that on the one hand, and then you have the other side of the coin, which is a lot of these athletes have been coddled, you know, from the time they had some potential as a third grade, you know, football player. Uh, and so how do you see that part playing out, the intensity uh, and really the high stakes game that I think is causing some bad decision making, both from players, but also from coaches and administrators? Well, there's no question. I mean, you have a young man that's, say, 16 or 17 years old and He's having adults recruit him, make phone calls to him, text him, send him information, uh, talk him and his parents up, show up at games, and, and, and say this young man has five or six of these adults doing that as he's being recruited by several schools. I mean, it, it puts a tremendous amount of entitlement on that young man as to who and what he is unless he's been brought up with certain types of perspective. It, it is really hard. You know, you have a guy like Aaron Fernandez, Hernandez that uh, played for the University of Florida and then with the New England Patriots. Here's a young man that was an All-American in college. He made a lot of mistakes. Uh, he was accused of uh, fighting, of assaults, of attempted murder, of attempted double murder. He was convicted of one of those murders and put in prison. And the day after he was acquitted, uh, you know, he committed suicide in jail. But here's a young man that was had a lot of problems, but he had coaches that uh, would, would cover for him. He had a university that would cover for him. He'd be let off the hook. He wasn't held responsible. Nobody made him accountable. And if they did, it was behind closed doors where he never received the scrutiny that maybe he should have to make corrections in his life ended up costing him his life. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think there are so many times where I think the coaches or the administrators really do a disservice to these players because most of them are not going to make it to the NFL. Most of them, even if they do make it to the NFL, it's going to be a very short stint, probably ended by some sort of injury. And then they've got to move on, but they haven't learned the, the real character skills, the real life skills. Uh, they're going to help them move forward as a member of society, not just a member of a football team. Oh, absolutely. We, and we see those mistakes being made both in the regular society with, with marriage, marriage and, and you know abusive marriages and abusive to girlfriends, things like that that, 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 that that we see and read about. But yet those same kinds of things are taking place regularly in society. But, uh, you know, there's no question that a lot of universities and a lot of colleges, they, they kind of handle situations behind the scene as best they can. But once it becomes public, then it turns into a whole different animal and is treated differently. And that's happened locally and on the national scene yeah. over and over again. So we see that immense pressure uh, to win, or as Al Davis famously said, you know, just win, baby. And win now, I think, is the, the real story in a lot of these programs. They're not giving them time to really build uh, so how do you see that? And uh, what do you think? The Are there any solutions out there in terms of how we deal with that? Well, I, I don't know that there is because money has taken over. This is a big business. It's a corporate type of a sporting atmosphere, both in the NFL and in college uh, you know, football. Uh, you have a situation like at Alabama where uh, 
Coach Saban is receiving eight or nine million dollars a year in salary, and a lot that's happening across the country, even in the state of Utah, where a football coach is the highest-paid public uh, employee in the state. And there's a tremendous amount of uh, pressure to collect money, whether it be from concessions, from parking lots. I mean, you pay six dollars for a hot dog, you know, five dollars for a bottle of water. You don't allow any other outside food to come in. You want that revenue. You're you're asking people to pay twenty-five dollars parking. There's all kinds of ways that athletic departments are trying to collect money, and they have to have the the fans engaged and to come and to participate and pay money. And then and then the TV networks. I mean, everybody wants a TV deal. Every Conference wants to have uh, their product on national TV, and they want to be paid the rights to do that. So this has gone far beyond the uh, cheerleaders with pom poms and students that show up and use their activity card to come in and watch a game, maybe pay fifty cents for, uh, for a seat. It's far beyond that, and I don't see how it can ever be retracted. So are there are there ways to? Uh, I know one thing that always gets brought up when these issues come up of oh you you know you should pay the players uh, something more than just kind of meal money. Uh, to kind of put them in a different space. I'm not sure that's the answer. Um, but then you also look at uh, you, you look at where this this really leads uh, and where the buck stops, I guess is the is the real question, Dick, because is, is it the coaches? Uh, is it the administrators? Uh, is it the president of the university? I mean we've seen organ we've seen uh, institutions like Penn State, you know, literally bottom out for a number of years uh, after this kind of scandal. We know Ohio State is in the middle of a, a lot of questions being asked right now. Um, how do you see that? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, think that, I think that part of the challenge that you have is that there's such a great big demand for entertainment, and this fits in that slot. I mean, why should, why should a school teacher that's, 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 that's approaching a math topic with students and teaching them so, so well and helping them to progress in life academically. Why should they be paid, say, $45,000 a year when a coach that's that's coaching and doing a great job of that would be paid um, $500,000 or an assistant coach or maybe $800,000? But that's the reality that you live in. As long as there's a product out there like sports, the TV networks are willing to pay a tremendous amount of money. Uh, and now you've got the athletes saying, you know what, we're out here being the uh, the worker bees. We need a part of that. We need a bigger slice of that. We need to, you know, I see it moving not back and not being retracted in any way, but moving towards a professional amateur collegiate uh, athlete, uh, athlete where they get paid a salary, where they get paid more than just the tuition and books and room and board that they've been given for, for decades, but more towards a bigger piece of this pie because they are being taken advantage of by universities and university presidents and board of trustees who now depend on that money. They, they they can't wean themselves off of it, and the, the stadiums are getting bigger and bigger and more fancy and more complex, and the money demand is there, and they, they, it is going to be impossible to go back. And, and Dick, just real quickly, what what responsibility do you think the NCAA has in all of this? It seems like uh, they're the ones, you know, first to cash the checks of of all the funds that you just described, but then they're always the ones that kind of shrug their shoulders and say, "Hey, we're you know we're just trying to monitor and we're we're trying to crack down." Uh, do we need more transparency and more accountability at the NCAA level? Well, we do, but th that transparency and power is given by the presidents of the university. The presidents are the ones that are on the board of directors, and they're the ones that make those decisions. And they're the ones that empower the NCAA. 
But, but part of the problem is is that the big guys in college football, and college football runs everything, there's, there's 16 to 25 teams in college football that run everything, and they are saying to the NCAA, you will let us do this, and you will let us do that, and we will let us do that, or we're going to start our own league. We don't need you. And then what do you do? Right. You're stuck. Yeah. It's a form of blackmail right now. Wow, interesting. Well, there's a there's a lot to discuss, and a lot will happen as we get into the the season. Let's let's not end on a down note. Uh, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, and give us one prediction for the uh, upcoming college football season. Well, I think Utah, University of Utah, is you know bound to have a great year. They could challenge for the Southern Division. Could be in the Rose Bowl. I think BYU will be far better than people expect them to be. They've got a new offensive coach and staff with about 85 years combined experience, and that's showing right now in football practice. The Aggies should be better. I think that they'll uh, they'll show what they can do, and the Wildcats ought to return to the divisional playoffs uh, at Weber State University. Fantastic. Give us one national pick. Uh, who who ends up in the national championship game? The people with the most money, I would say <laughs> Alabama and Clemson. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Dick Harmon from the Deseret News, thanks so much for joining us today. All right, thanks for having me. Therefore, what? While the list of problems and what is wrong with college athletics is long and seems to be lengthening every day, the the list of the solutions, the therefore what component, seems to be pretty short. And it's usually presented by a lot of the uh, shoulder-shrugging administrators who swiftly pass the buck or say it's simply beyond their control. Well, not too long ago, I was given a, uh, a gift that caused me to wonder if the solution to what ails college athletics could be as simple as a letter and a sweater. Let me tell you what I mean. A number of years ago, I I got a gift from my great uncle, Marvin Pugh, uh, who for many years was the oldest living letterman at the University of Utah here in uh, Salt Lake City. He played guard for the Utes back in 1931. 1931 to 1935, and Uncle Marv presented me with uh, one of his prized Letterman sweaters. And equally important, he also gave me a copy of the letter he received from the university and the athletic council when he was given his sweater. Uh, And back in the the old days, they would present the Letterman sweater in front of the student body. So there was a little authority going there. And I I remember looking at the, the U stitched in this, you know, deep crimson red sweater, uh, and I read the letter from the council, and it made me think how simple the lessons of the, the gridiron had, had been and how they'd really become a, a bedrock for true character uh, in which my uh, great-uncle Marvin Pugh then parlayed into a life of, of significance and service and just a, an amazing, amazing legacy. Uh, and so I actually want to read as part of Therefore What, because I think this is the answer to a lot of what ails college athletics, is I want to read the letter. And so they read this letter to the student body and to the athlete as they presented their Letterman sweater. And this is what it says. It says, you are being granted a sweater emblematic of an athlete who has won the right to wear an official U. This means that you've complied with the rules of competition as laid out by the conference and also your own institution. Not only have you met the athletic rules, but also the scholastic rules. You have proved your absolute right to this award, and it is the honor of the associated students to grant this award to you. And this is where it gets interesting. It says, this award is not merely a sweater with an emblem on it. It has years of tradition behind it. It stands for something far more than a mere piece of clothing. It means loyalty and service 
Now for a bit of advice in its use. This is fantastic. It says, this sweater is given to you and you alone. The public recognizes its wearer as having achieved athletic distinction. That's something that you cannot transfer or sell to others. No one else has a right to wear your sweater. The sweater is given to honor you and you alone, and you have no authority to pass that honor to someone else. This includes the trading of sweaters, which I guess was kind of a big thing back in the day. The type of sweater you've been given is recognized by the public as meaning a certain thing, and so you have no authority to trade it. It's vital that you keep your sweater clean and under no condition should it be worn when it is not clean. I love that. Then it says, we want you to use it. We like to have people respect you for having one such distinction. But that respect can only be maintained if you keep the sweater clean and under no conditions trade it. <laughs> and then a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. It's made of excellent materials and will withstand cleaning. <laughs> so you got to keep it clean. There's no excuse for not having a clean sweater. Utah is proud to publicly mark you as one of its honored sons. Do your fair part as one of those honored to continue to merit that honor. And then finally, the final paragraph from the Athletic Council says, One other thing. By wearing this sweater, you identify yourself as an athlete, as a high-minded man, and as a gentleman. And in so doing, it is your duty to wear the sweater only where respectable men gather. Any transgression of these rules may be taken up by the athletic counselor, and the offenders will be penalized accordingly, but we hope that will not be necessary. And I love that. Uh, we talk about the therefore what uh, and what that means for the school uh, and what that would mean. Uh, I mean, those are, those are simple, powerful, practical words and principles, uh, principles that led Marvin Pugh to do some, some pretty cool things, not just during his playing days, but really set him on the, the right path for life. And, and think about this as we think about therefore what. How would the landscape of college football change if the Letterman sweaters were only awarded to those who lived up to a higher standard of personal behavior? What if instead of wearing the sweater as a way to get perks and privileges and payoffs, athletes wore them to demonstrate their commitment, loyalty, and service to their schools? How would the culture within athletic departments change if rather than wearing their letter with an attitude of entitlement, student-athletes wore them gratefully, with humility, and with the quiet dignity that comes from being an honored son of the university? And how many people, young and old alike, would be inspired to be better if athletes were worthy role models and wore their sweater or their jacket as an emblem of their commitment to being a high-minded man and a true gentleman? So as we cruise into the fall, as we watch these athletes stepping off of buses and planes wearing those Letterman jackets and sweaters, all of us should, should pause and ponder in a therefore what moment the significance of what that letter and sweater truly represents and the impact it could have on the life of a young man now and in the future. And in a tribute to my Uncle Marv, so while his, his playing days at the University of Utah in the 1930s were never really recorded in the history books, by living up to the standard of the letter on his sweater, his impact and influence has been recorded in countless hearts and minds and souls around the world. He made a difference as a loyal man, as a serving man, as an athletic man, as a high-minded man, and as a gentleman. In short, 
he exemplified the simple solution, not only for what ails college football, but what is killing our country. He's shown the power of living to a higher standard, character, and the impact of a simple symbol like a letter on a sweater. Remember, after the story is told, after the principle presented, after the discussion and debate have been had, the question for all of us is, therefore what? Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening today, and be sure to rate this episode and leave us a review. Follow us on DeseretNews.com forward slash podcast and subscribe to our newsletter. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. Thanks for engaging with us on Therefore What.